When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Woodman Corner, the West Bromwich Albion podcast that is more than happy to help Alan Pardew find a new home in Reading. Uh, I am Graham Brain and I'm joined today by uh, Joe Chapman, who often sits next to me. How are you, Graham? How's your week been? Uh, it's been alright. I'm all the more excited for the fact that we are also joined by Alex Dickin, making his debut on Woodman Corner. Hello, delighted to be uh, making my first appearance on this uh, renowned podcast. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see if you can uh, if you can make it worth it, or if you are like uh, like the the Woodman Corner equivalent of picking Jay Clivermore for England. You've, oh, you've got a lot why? to live up to. You're pulling no punches already, are you? This afternoon. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining us this week. Um, it's been a blissful um, uh, holiday from the dirge that is Westerners Albion in the international break this week, uh, which means that we fortunately don't even have to try and hide the uh, the rubbish that we have to watch on the pitch, and we can just talk other kinds of rubbish. <laughs> the, the particular brand of rubbish we're going to talk today is about the um, candidates for the next Albion manager. We're going to go through and chat amongst ourselves, assess uh, who we think could do a good job and who we think couldn't. But seeing as there's a new person here that has a slack of Alan Pardew, let's, uh, let's start by asking Alex. Alex, what do you think of Alan Pardew? So do you want me to slug him off? Can you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've said a few things on this, but the real, the real frustration I have, looking at it from an Albion's fan point of view, is that, um, like... They've given up. Uh, if the board had sacked him, what, six, four, five weeks ago when, when the, all this trouble started, the Barcelona thing happened, um, maybe even the game after when they lost to Southampton, was it? Yeah, in the FA Cup. Uh, yeah. In the first game after, and it was so bad. Maybe just sack him then and then give yourselves a chance. Yeah. By keeping him for this long, you've almost admitted defeat. And well, Gary Megson, down, that's it. Gary Megson said exactly that. Um, he, was, he was quite alarmed. He did, a, he did an, a, an interview recently and he... He actually said exactly that. He said he can't believe that they're almost talking like it's over. I think there was a very clear moment. Huddersfield at home. We knew when they went into Huddersfield at home with Pardew in place, they didn't. They weren't expecting to stay. So the interesting thing about that is it's kind of penny pinching at the end of the season. Yeah, I keep pointing out that this is a season in which we've paid two loanees, one hundred and twenty to one hundred to one hundred and twenty grand a week. You know, we've done two loan deals that are worth, you know, probably a cumulative fifteen million quid or something. And yet we're penny pinching about against sacking the. A person who's terrorising the club from the top, um, but I mean I can get understand it at this point now. You know I think if uh, there's sort of no point in sacking him now is what I would say. Yeah, exactly, you might, yeah. might as well. Much as I mean I've fallen out with people on social media since then, but we'd only really be sacking him to go down more happily. Really, again, are you just saying that like Albion season's finished? Then aren't you? If you yeah. say that, yeah, it's over. They are. They are. They are sixty-six to one on to go down, though. So I mean, it is. Uh... No, of course, and I don't think any Albion fan uh, at all at the moment is expecting what would be, you know, the greatest escape. It would be anything that you know Albion have done in the past. It would be any of those attempts from Sunderland and Leicester, very famously a few years ago under Nigel Pearson. It would eclipse all of those. Uh, what 
what I would argue is now at this point in time where Albion are they've lost eight in a row there are seven games to go at the end of the season a few games where they can actually go and get some results you know the, the next two games are at home to Burnley and Swansea so at what point do you say you know enough is enough we can't take this anymore we need to start having that feel good factor ahead of next season because God forbid they lose 15 in a row <laughs> you know say they don't pick up another point or, or they don't win another game yeah We've won one of 29, so then well, what if pro- it becomes one of 36? Well, I would set my priority and the, in that the next change has to be um, that the process of the next championship season starts now. The only advantage we have over everyone else is that we know we're in the championship exactly. next season. Yeah. So what are you doing about that? And if, that? and if the appropriate thing to do with that is sack Pardew now, bring someone in, plan ahead, that's fine. They need to plan ahead regardless. But what I think is the right thing is that if they can't see the person that's going to return them in the championship next season you know if I don't know Michael Appleton or Nigel Pearce or someone won't come to get relegated now mm. then they're doing the right thing there's no point in sacking party to keep the fans happy because they sacked Pulis to keep the fans happy and I know there are differing views on this but I would contest that that didn't work out very well but I'd also say that I mean Pardew's done so badly Darren Moore's there behind him and all the fans would get behind Darren Moore they all love Darren Moore Darren Moore loves the club yeah yeah so I don't understand if if it's down to purely the fact that there's no suitable alternative to Pardew, which is the reason why they haven't sacked him, why not just sack him and give it Darren Moore to end the season? He couldn't do a worse job. Nothing could be worse than That's what Albion have done over the last. The I last guess four, there's there's some financial weeks. story behind that about about uh, about sacking someone on Premier League wages and so on. I'd, I'd imagine. I, I I don't know, but I'd be hard pressed to think that there's any great affinity to uh, to, to him. You know, I don't think Mark Jenkins has come in post Pardew being appointed. It would strike me that he's he would have no issue with second I don't know, I don't know what you think. Um, well I mean <clears throat> this is just what just the on field at the moment is, is only it, it, a totally separate issue to the one that Mark Jenkins has made the headlines for this week where he's been talking about the finances and how shocked he was what he was met with when he when he returned to the club I'll be having to take out an overdraft I mean this is this is quite serious stuff isn't it when you think of what we've got to be preparing for all the preparations we're able to make in the summer Ahead of, a, ahead of a campaign that we're hoping to be at the right end of the table next year. They're getting their excuses in early for failure. Well, it's like, you know, you've seen what happened to Sunderland and Hull. I'm not going to suggest for one minute that Albion are going to do what Sunderland, but at the same time, but <laughs> there's, no, there's no suggestion to, 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 um, to see that we're going to be doing anything like a, a, a Fulham or a, a, a Wolves no. or a you know, Cardiff. I think I'm going to suggest that they're going in a Sunderland-like direction. Um, so, mm. so, yeah, they've got, uh, I mean... The job that they have on their hands at terms. Not bad, is it? I mean, they are Sunderland are. Nah, on what? a side note, Sunderland are totally crippled, and the the, the debt the debt that they've got up there is just well, I keep, phenomenal. I keep throwing out this sentence for Al, for Albion next year. See Hull this year, and then I said it the other day, and it's me thinking, you know, I'm the, I'm the kind of uh, dullard pragmatist that that you know sees the worst. And the black went, no, no, for Albion next season, see Sunderland this season. I thought, well, I can't see a reason why you're wrong. You know, fundamentally, you know, look at the. We won our first two games. This is where we're at now. We're going to lose a manager. We're going to lose a massive load of players. We're probably not going to recruit the replacement for those players till later in the transfer window, owing to the fact we don't have a manager and we've got to sell them first. It's it's a recipe for disaster, in truth. Part of the part of the frustration, sorry, Joe. Part of the frustration though is like they've let someone like Tyler Roberts go, who would have been ideal for that next season, the Championship. Yeah. When. They let him go at a time when the season was almost over, as it was, wasn't it? Yeah. They were still quite far down there and looking looking to be cut adrift. So why not just keep him, give him the games he wanted between now and then and the end of the season, 
and then he'd been ready in the championship, got a few games at Albion under his belt, and he maybe he could have thrived. He was he was obviously out of contract, and that I think that was one of the big things as well when he left. Is that you know signing for Leeds United, massive club, obviously no one would deny that. The chance to play games potentially that on on the horizon at Albion they were just non-existent. Those hopes, yeah. I suppose you you can make that point that bring him back from his loan spell at Walsall. Give him ten games in the Premier League. Give him something to to make him want that contract. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you realise that yes, here's ten games, and there's a contract waiting for you into the, the season. And it, uh, I suppose just an incentive, to mm. actually, and also uh, you know a promise that you know you can get the football. Like, the likes of Lecco and Field as well. I mean, they're they're going to be kind of the bedrock of the Championship team. You think the way it's going at the moment, and they've barely yeah. a sniff under Pardew. Yeah, they're going to be the only thing that offers kind of consistency. I mean, you don't we don't um, yeah. There's a lot of hope for Field and to, to a certain extent Lecco. But there's they're, they're realistically they're, they are the hope for consistency in the squad because there's going to be such a massive amount of turnover. I think I think to be fair to Albion in in a way that I rarely am, um, they would have kept Roberts if they could. You know he had mm. six months left in his contract. He obviously um, had his head turned elsewhere. I can't believe that they wouldn't have bent over backwards even because I mean realistically, he, he was a better prospect than, um, than than many that that remain there kind of thing. And I mean. I would, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have surprised me if he'd have got more game time in the second half of the season than Robson Carnu as a case in point. Mm. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think a lot of him, a lot to do with him leaving was down to the fact that he wasn't going to get the games at Albion under Pardew. Yeah, um, which is yeah. obviously what he was promised at Leeds. So yeah. So anyway, moving on to the, to the main thing. So what I should say is that the, 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 coming up later on, we're going to speak to uh, to Rob Tanner, who's the uh, Leicester City reporter, um, about two candidates we're about to discuss: um, Nigel Pearson. Who, uh, whose name has come to the fore of late, and Michael Appleton, who happens to be the current favourite for the role. So let's start there. We're gonna uh, let's just bounce around a few a few of the names to see what people think. Uh, Michael Appleton, would he make? Uh, is he the man Appleton. to bring Albion back to the Premier League? Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure about Michael Appleton. I think he's had a pretty um, He's had a few tough lessons in management already, where he's been. He's he's gone to clubs where they've had basket case uh, owners, and <coughs> you know, at Blackpool, he's been at Portsmouth, he's been at Blackburn, and then he went to Oxford, of course, and he he did a very very good job uh, by all accounts, and you know, he got them to the uh, to the JPT final. Uh, did they get them to the playoff final as well? The JPT final two years ago from League Two, didn't they? Yeah, from League Two. From League two. So, and now they're you know. Fairly, fairly well established in League One, so <clears throat> he's obviously taken up the role at Leicester as number two. Um, there under Shakespeare at the time, and, he, and he's remained there under Puel. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he would jump at it. Yeah, to be honest, you know, it's a manager. But do you want him? I think there are better candidates out there. Personally, yeah. okay, personally. Alex, Michael. I'm, I'm just looking at the list, and I, I'm, I'm not. Particularly, I'm only drawn to one one person. Oh yes, me too, me too. And uh, but but on about Appleton, I mean, uh, I watched his Oxford team a few times, and I was never massively impressed. Um, I don't know. It, a lot will depend on obviously what style of football Albion want to play. Because uh, we remember the good Championship teams under Mowbray and Dimitar, where they played really good football, mm-hmm. and whether that's the thing they want to go back to. Uh, you'd hope it is, um, but I'm not sure Appleton would would really fit into that. I've- I, I, I'd, I'd agree. I, I've got two concerns about Appleton. The first I'd have, 
about any any manager who's a former player of a club is that being a former player of a club is irrelevant to, as to whether or not you should be recruited as a manager. So it matters not a jot that he played for Albion. He's either a good manager or he's not. We're not recruiting him as a player, recruiting him as a manager. So that doesn't count. I don't, I don't care about that. The second thing that would concern me is I think that, as I've already discussed, I think there's going to be an enormous turnover of players. I think there's a, there's a, there's a huge internal conflict that's going to have to be dealt with as a result of a lot of players' wages halving and that sort of thing. And I think that's a job for someone who is experienced and is able to kind of command a situation. And Michael Appleton is a young manager in, in his infancy and I'm not sure he's the right person for it. He, he, he's not someone I'd be particularly thrilled for them to bring in. The next one, I don't think we should spend... I'm going to contest too long because I don't well, think he'll come to Albion anyway. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, obviously he was favourite. We're talking about Marco Silva. Marco Silva, yeah. As of a few months ago, Silva was favourite. Yep. Uh, I suppose when this market first you know, came to the fore. Yep. Uh, he was obviously... At a time, it was obviously at a time where Albion was still in contention to stay in the Premier League. Silver had a pretty good go with Hall last year without keeping them up. Yeah, uh, and, and obviously it went south at Watford in the first half of the season after a good start. But I mean, Silver wasn't going to come and join a relegation fight again. Never mind a, a Championship team. So the uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think we should just spend too much time on Silver. He might do a good job, but but uh, he's but always it, looking for the big th- bigger thing, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's been stepping stone. He's been linked with Benfica and so on. I think that's far more likely. But let's let's the next one is Martin O'Neill. Alex, you uh, you've you've done a bit of a, of reporting on Villa in your time, although we've despite that that uh, that despite absolutely that huge mark on your character, we've we've brought you onto <laughs> yeah. our podcast. What do you reckon, Martin O'Neill? Did he do a good job at the album? Um, I don't know. He's always worked. At Villa, he worked with a lot of money, didn't he? So I, I don't think he'd get that money at Albion the way they're trying to cut back. Nope. Obviously, going into championships, I, I I don't know about him. He's um he's can be quite a a a prickly character uh, from what I've heard. So whether he kind of obviously want to come in, he build his own team, um, but I don't think he'd he'd come in knowing that there wasn't money there. Yeah. I think he'd want to know there was money, and if there's not going to be a great deal of money, which we suspect there's not. Um, I don't think he'd probably be, he wouldn't be interested in that, I don't think. I suppose he ticks the boxes of some of the things I was saying before about Appleton, about being experienced and someone who could command it, and yet mm. I have little interest in Martin O'Neill. I think he's a, a manager who's on the wrong side of his career, so I'm going to go no with him as well, Jay. Yeah, me too, me too. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, personally, I'm not sure Martin O'Neill would, would again, it's easy for us to sit here and, and suggest that there are better out there than Martin O'Neill, but I'm not even sure O'Neill himself would particularly be no. infused by the uh, the prospect of a championship season. Hasn't O'Neill turned down a Premier League team? He turned down Leicester, didn't he? Turned down Stoke. I think he turned Leicester. No, he turned down Stoke before yeah, Lambert, think he, didn't he? I think he might have, yeah. Lambert was out there. So uh, it's one of those. I, I, don't th- I think he's quite comfortable in the job he's in. He, you know. We sound like we're speaking from years then. So next, uh, another former Albion midfielder who played next to Michael Appleton, Derek McInnes. Go um, on, Joe, what are you saying? I'm torn on this guy, to be honest, because... <laughs> There are, face. I, know, I, I really like McInnes I think he's a really really uh, cool individual you know he's um, comes across very well I was watching Sky Sport, a, a, a Scottish match on Sky Sports the other week and he was a pundit and he came across very very well yeah. uh, he's obviously got huge credentials up there and he, he's done a very very good job with Aberdeen I think a lot of people would perhaps argue that Aberdeen in the absence of Rangers in the last few years would be in the top two or three anyway yeah. uh, so he was probably just doing a job that was expected of him but even so you know, he, he's um, he's done a good job at, at Bataudry I think there were a lot of people particularly Aberdeen fans up there that would suggest that he doesn't get enough points off the big boys up there so they kind of they're a bit flat track bullyish yeah. um, and so they all, they'll always finish third or fourth and, and, and no higher uh, he's, had a, he's, had a, he's had a go in the championship before and it didn't work out but 
he's he does he does seem to have come on a bit. He's still obviously very young and he's he's revered among a lot of Albion fans. So go on then, Joe. It's a yes or a no. Uh, it, I would take McGuinness next year. Okay, Alex, what are you saying about Derek McGuinness? Uh, from what I hear about him, he's he's doing well in Scotland. Obviously, you see that they are the uh, kind of force behind Celtic and have almost edged out Reigns over the last few years. But uh, if you look at him and Appleton, obviously former players, like you said, you've got a kind of a point on on um, their managerial merit rather than what they do as a player. Yep. So for me, I think there's I think there's better candidates out there than yeah. McInnes, and I think there's better candidates out there than Appleton and Al- Albion being what they should be in the Championship, which is a force. I think they should be getting better better managers than that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd I agree think the one with thing, that. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. One thing, you, one thing I would say is that if McInnes hadn't been a previous captain, would he even be considered for the Albion? That, and that's that is the for me. McInnes seems to have done a better job. He's got he's got more going for him than Appleton. I would mm, I would say, but. But that's that's all that matters. Is when the equivalent to this when Stoke were looking for a manager was McKinney on their list. No, why? Because he it was only he would only have been there on merit, and that's it. As you point, as you say, there's only merit, and, and I think I think that's it. So we've got a couple of need to spar him ones. I think we probably need to blitz. Well, does, does, yeah, yeah. Does anyone want to say anything about <coughs> about Michael O'Neill? I, I like Michael O'Neill a lot um, as an individual. I really respect the job he's done in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah. He mm-hmm. obviously knows a number of Albion players and. Uh, uh, you know he should be applauded for what he's what he's achieved. Um, he's just signed a big contract there um, amid all that speculation linking him with Cel- with Scotland, uh, which would suggest that he's pretty comfortable where he is. That's not to say he wouldn't perhaps be interested in the job if if um, if they came if Albion came calling. But again, uh, you want somebody with just fresh idea. I, I I think he's he's good at getting the best out of little. Mm. Yeah, Michael, he seems that kind of. Um, individual uh, I'm not sure how he deal with expectations of, you, of West Brom in the Championship Are you inspired by Michael O'Neill? He's another one who's done quite a bit at international level obviously getting to get into a, a, a major tournament in Northern Ireland takes some doing mm-hmm. but um, at club level what's he done? What's he done? He's like the names. He's he in Ireland. Was he? has been in Ireland, hasn't he? Was he? Uh, oh, was it? Um, Cal- was it Calorain or something? Exactly. Like Glentor and so, some team that it's, it's a bit like this, the, the, the equivalent of of employing uh, of, of of being at Celtic in in Scotland. You know, where realistically, there's only one or two teams that actually are any good. It's uh, yeah. He's, he's uh, he, for me, he won't be an inspiring choice. And I'm, I'm looking at the list, and there's not many on there that I'd that I'd look look to as a no, manager for Albion. Well, I don't. We're getting closer, Alex, to your to your dream. Well, I think we're going to be very close because do we want to? Should we bother talking about Slevin Billich? Well, Billich Billich already. I said he was not interested the first time round when when Pardew took the job, so. and, and I'm not I interested think, in him either. No, no, think, well, fair, neither I am I. That, I think that came at a bad time because he just he not long left. He wanted, yeah, he wanted Christmas off. And, um, I get that, but I'd, I'd say out of all these these managers on this list, I'd say he's the as you look at and probably be he's the most attractive in terms of what he's done recently. Best track record. Because we're going to throw another name on the list, which is Nigel Pearson. Yeah. Of course. Would you prefer Billich to Pearson? Me personally, mm, not for Albion. No. Me personally, no. Not no. We'll get on to Pearson, but neither would I. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to delay too much on Billy's because we have, because uh, we've got Dean Smith next, and we've got some views on Dean Smith. Alex, what do you think of Dean Smith? It's fan club over here. Uh, I'm, I'm a massive fan. It's no secret. I'm a massive fan of Dean Smith. Um, he was obviously started at Warsaw, kind of came through as the head of youth there and took the job. Uh, he was almost a cheap option uh, for the board there, and um, somehow kept Warsaw up. I don't know, really know how. It's a miracle, <laughs> and then. Built for five years, and in his final season, did really well. Got him to first in the league and jump ship the mm-hmm. Brentford. Um, and again at Brentford, he's done he's done so well. I mean, I was saying this to someone earlier. I mean, if if he was to leave Brentford today, there'd be a queue of championship top championship clubs and lower Premier League clubs sacking their managers and saying we want Dean Smith. 
he will literally at the moment never be without a job. I mean, there emphatically wouldn't be any well, Premier League clubs if they he would. left Brentford. No would. one was sat would. there. They would. I mean, I, I like your optimism. Uh, well, I think he's got so much going through. Yeah, I, honestly, I honestly <laughs> think if you had the chance, uh, compared to another local guy, uh, another young upcoming English British manager, Gary Rowett, if yep. you had one or the other. I, I think Dean Smith would edge your head around. Well, it's funny. I really it's, for me personally. Football. For me personally, in terms of what you get out of him uh, as a, as a personality, um, uh, in terms of the football, absolutely style of football. The football's unbelievable. It, you know, I've seen Brentford a couple of times this season live, and I've been astonished you by know, the quality of the football. I've come round on this because what I, what I would have said with this podcast a couple of months ago is, well, "What's he ever won?" But there's a, there are several no. things. No, no, well, that's it. He's, he's exceeded expectations. You can only really are you going to win a league with Brentford? And um, what I really like about him is one of the many things I'd criticise the current Albion hierarchy is I don't think they're hiding any brains. Um, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure that, that, that necessarily Carver is supporting um, Pardew any more than, uh, than anything. Whereas you've got... Um, I always think it's really, I'm really pleased when people talk about managerial duties. I get the impression uh, Richard Kelly is probably smarter than Dean Smith is. Um, he gets sp- spoken about a lot. Uh, and, I, and I like that the fact that there's a, you're bringing in a duo yeah yeah. I think they're both coaches but I always get the impression that um, O'Kelly's so kind of busy on the training ground he's kind of the guy who kind of coaches all this great football he was also at Doncaster with Sean O'Driscoll um, yes. for a long yeah. long time and um, he was often credited with the, the brilliant football they played when they went up yeah. to League One yeah, yeah. Uh, won the playoffs and uh, he got when he was at Walsall he got a lot of the credit for the football that the Walsall played Um but yeah, I think Dean's kind of the guy who makes the, makes the choices, makes the decisions. But Do you know? I'm being one over. I'm being one over. By uh, I really, I really, I don't want to kind of build up to the point where you know he'd come in and we'd win the league by ten points. But I'm just saying, I, 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 if you said to me that, I mean, of course, it's not even a given. Alan Pardew will be out of a job in the summer. But say that as it's looking at, the, it's a very, very realistic possibility at this moment in time. If you said to me, you got a name, a realistic manager to take you forward from July the first. I would say Dean Smith. Well, fun if what's up? So now we're going to forgo Gary Megson. I don't think I don't think he really should be on the list. No. I think and, and, and let's bounce to the last name, which I think probably yeah. should be there. Just and, before, and the person. Just, before, just one last question. Go on. for Alex on Dean Smith. Yeah. Uh, what do you call the chap, the goalkeeping coach that moved to Albion? Oh, uh, Neil Cutler. Did he was Neil Cutler at uh, Neil with Cutler was appointed Smith. by Smith. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you see, there's already a connection there. Um. So I, I much as I've got. Some reservations about him. I'm going to talk to Rob Tanner about it in a moment. But uh, Nigel Pearson, I, I think I'm going to say my version of Dean Smith is Nigel Pearson. I think, but I think he's got he's got a slight edge in that he has done it before. He's promoted a team and stabilised them in the uh, in the Premier League. And I think if you look across his career, while um, for perhaps personality reasons certain things have gone wrong, largely he's done things right. You I mean you really are winning me over on Smith, but I'm going to say Nigel Pearson would be my choice. I, I also think that would be a very very suitable appointment. I mean, you know, if Pearson was to be appointed at the end of the season uh, and was you know given instructions to get Albion into a top six or whatever, I would have a pretty uh, decent kind of platform of level of confidence to that, that he could achieve that. Uh, he knows this. He knows his division well. He hasn't had uh, total success. I mean, there have been times at clubs where, in the championship, he's not managed to take them on to perhaps where they should be, like Derby, for example. But then, how many people have tried at Derby? Yeah, um, he wasn't Derby a long time. I don't know. He don't. I don't know when he did it at Hull either. Uh, he, 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 was, he was at Leicester twice, wasn't he? And yeah, yeah, yeah. He left for Hull, went uh, back to Leicester. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we, he won the league. He won the league with Leicester, didn't he? And against all odds kept them in the Premier League when they were seemingly dead and buried so, so what are you saying Alex? 
I'm not a Pearson Nigel Pearson. I'd go Dean Smith. You but, would? Um, yeah, I, would. I think Pearson would be number two for me. Uh, you know, on on that on that list. Behind Smith. Behind Smith. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just random one. I don't I don't even know what odds he is or whatever. But what were your thoughts on Gary Rowett? I'd love Gary Rowett. Yeah. It, it, funny fact, the first, one of the first names I threw out was uh, was Rowett. I, mean, I don't think it's plausible because I think it's. Uh, I think. I think. I think both on. Derby and Brentford will finish higher than Albion next year. Um, uh, but I've got a lot of time for Rowett, uh, and I've run increasing amount of time having heard you two about Smith. Mm. But yeah, I'd still go. I've got. Pearson's not something I find he treats the press with contempt which is something I'm not I'm a kind of a big fan of and I think he uh, and I find him a bit dour and that sort of thing but he just seems he like the right person quite clearly gets right something time. out of his players yeah. always mm. he always has managed almost, to almost creates that siege mentality doesn't he yeah, yeah. I think us against like, the world yeah. isn't it and yeah. we're against the media we're against everybody else's fans we're against every other club he's a it's bit us. he reminds me a little bit he's a bit like Steve Bruce without the friendliness uh, yeah. so so maybe maybe for that in that sense he might be the right person um so with that in mind, I'm going to say thank you to both Alex and Joe for your time now. And we're going to, um, now I'm going to um, go across to Rob Tanner, who I've been speaking to about a couple of these candidates, Michael Appleton and Nigel Pearson. OK, so I'm on the line now with Rob Tanner, who is the Leicester City reporter for the Leicester Mercury. Uh, thank you ever so much for joining us, Rob. Good afternoon. Um, and and you're, you're the ideal person to speak to, really. We've just been going through the list of uh, potential candidates for the Albion manager's role, and there's, uh, there's, some, uh, there's some that have a, a lot of residence with, uh, with Leicester, principally um, Nigel Pearson, whose name's really come up over the last uh, 48 hours or so and obviously spent a lot of time there, but also the current favourite for, uh, for the role is Michael Appleton. So if, if I could start by asking you about, uh, about him... Um, What's been your experiences of Michael Appleton um, since he's been at Leicester? Is it, is, it looks like a story that's been going well, certainly, in terms of results. Yeah, Michael's had a, a good impact at uh, Leicester City. He was brought in by Craig Shakespeare to be his number two. Um, now, he'd previously been a manager himself uh, from a very young age, and he decided uh, that the opportunity to, to work in the Premier League uh, was enough for him to walk away from his position at Oxford United as manager there um, to become a number two and uh, it's going to be interesting uh, if he does get offered the West Bromwich Albion job what he actually chooses to do because West Brom obviously a big club great chance of bouncing back to the uh, Premier League because we're assuming they're going to get relegated from the position they're in at the moment (laughs) and Michael might see that as a great uh, opportunity for him to get back as being a number one to being his own boss uh, and getting back to working in the Premier League because I think a lot of English, young English managers probably think their best chance of managing in the top flight is to take a team up rather than wait for an opportunity to arise because uh, the owners now tend to, to look abroad for uh, for managers so uh, I think yeah, he might see that as a good opportunity. Do you think, does bringing in Pure, you know, while, while it's improved the, the sort of um, the football on the pitch, I guess it's not he's not the person who recruited him. Does that... Uh, is that is that a happy relationship? Is it does that has he been sidelined by uh, on any level with that? And is he sort of more likely to want to get out for that reason? No, I think Caldwell came in. Has been was impressed with uh, with Appleton. He's training him. Mean, he's a vastly experienced coach. His career was cut short quite young because of uh, injury when he was at West Bromwich Albion. But uh, he's forged a very strong reputation now for being a good coach, and I think Powell appreciates that. And also, you know, he's a good conduit early doors to the rest of the squad and he helped Puel get his message over because he did change their style of play from um, very quickly when he came in uh, did Puel they went to a 4-2-3-1 from the traditional 4-4-2 and uh, 
No, it's been, uh, it's, been the, the, it's been good since then. The players have adapted to that system very well, and Appleton's been integral to that. And uh, have you had much to do with with Appleton in, you know, in, the, in the relatively short time he's been there? Have you have you dealt with him much? How did you find him? Uh, I dealt with him when he was uh, the interim manager before Pearl was appointed, and he come across as uh, a very fair man. In turn, that's what the players want. They want somebody who's going to be fair with them, and if they're going to leave him out to tell them reasons why they've left him out, he come across as a, a strong guy. I mean, you can obviously his appearance is quite intimidating, isn't he? I mean, the muscles and the tattoos everywhere. Uh, so, um, but he, you know, he came across as somebody who was quite thoughtful about what he was doing. He was a, a calm head during that time when Shakespeare was um, was sacked because there was a, a fair bit of upheaval around the camp. I mean, Shakespeare was very popular with those players. He'd been there a number of years with them, uh, and I'm actually surprised he's not in the list of runners that uh, runners and riders for a possible future West Bromwich Albion manager himself. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I am. Obviously, obviously, he has a, a, a track record at Albion. Well, I'm surprised he wasn't wasn't higher up the list. Of I mean, it's early days at the moment. There's some people on that list that I think are are, um, are entirely implausible. So I suppose there's time for that to uh, to mature. Um, so, so I guess uh, yeah, we, we talked um, in the round about Appleton. And, you know, he's got some things to prove as a manager. But you've spent a lot of time um, seeing Nigel Pearson's teams and teams that, yeah, and, and you know, with him as a as a as a mature manager who's uh, who's, who's accountable there. Um, so, have you found it? Yeah, you, you've 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 reported on two spells for, for Pearson there, I believe. Uh, uh, have you found him? The second spell was different to the first. The first spell. Uh, when I come in, he just uh, led uh, Leicester City back to the Championship from League One. He'd done a rebuilding job. They'd won the uh, title promotion in the first season in League One. Um, so, you know, he was on a roll. The club was going through transition at the time. His approach to the media was a, a little bit different the first time round to the second time because he was very difficult to deal with. Um, he was uh, difficult in press conferences, under questioning. It gave the impression he didn't really like the media, didn't like that role. Uh, but um, second time around, he was... Uh, He'd grown, he'd developed, I thought, as a manager. Uh, he did a great job in rebuilding after the high spending under Svenjur and Ericsson. And he built a squad. And that's what um, Albion fans uh, will want if he comes in. They've got to realise that he's a, he is a squad builder, a team builder. He needs time to do so. But he does get results. He did it at Hull mm-hmm. as well, in between these two spells at Leicester. And the second time uh, around, he built a young squad, a vibrant squad. Uh, they brought in some uh, players like Jamie Vardy and Rian Mahrez, who have been you know, phenomenal successes and uh, he, he was a, a much more measured um, guy unfortunately the last season in charge well, there was a few incidents uh, uh, you know with media and uh, also with James McCarthy of uh, Crystal Palace um, uh, and, and with his own fans as well to be honest and uh, I think that that sort of uh, that, well, sort of tainted him a little bit but uh, you know the, the Nigel I know is very uh, thoughtful uh, he's one of those that uh, you know, he, to, he, he takes his time to get to know you and to uh, take you into his uh, confidence. Uh, but um, once you're inside that little circle, um, you know, you're in there for life. But uh, he, he's great at building a, a siege mentality around teams. You know, it's, it's us against the world. Everybody wants you to fail. So come on, let's show them what we're made of. And he certainly did that in the great escape season. And that led to a few of those little confrontations with the media that I just mentioned. And uh, there were probably deliberate tactics on his behalf. Um, trying to, to create that so that, that siege mentality and it worked because uh, they would have seven of the last nine games to stay up and then unfortunately it was off field, field issues um, that led to his uh, departure I mean where, where his head is right now in terms of uh, getting back into English management um, you know, only he will know because he will keep his own counsel on that but he went to Louvain he had a number of opportunities to get back into English football and didn't 
feel like the time was right and, and everybody was shocked when he took over at Leuven but obviously there was the, the connection with uh, King Power and the, the family that run Leicester City because they also run Leuven as well and you know, he saw it as an opportunity to work abroad but you know, if, if a club like West Bromwich Albion came knocking and gave him another opportunity to re- return to the Championship where he has got a fantastic reputation you know, he might be tempted to come back but when I spoke to him out in Leuven I think he, his intention was to take a long break from the game but then he thought this Leuven opportunity was a good one for him that's interesting. Funny enough, you've addressed my major concern about Pearson. So I think Pearson's record is, it almost makes him kind of ideal for the Albion job. I think, I think, because I mean, we're going to have a massive turnover of players. I, I would predict 15 players will leave Albion this summer. So you, you kind of need a squad builder. I know it'll take time, but he's someone who's recruited well in the past. That sort of thing. My concern has been that I remember from the first time at the Albion and various other jobs when I found exactly what you said was that he was completely contemptuous to the press, and, and I never dealt with him. As a fan, I found him contemptuous to the press, and hence I felt contemptuous to me. You know, I found, I found like he found it a chore. But I mean, the people in Derby have got think, good things to say about him. By the sounds of things, it seems like he's he's matured as a uh, as a as a bloke. You know, that has to deal with it, the public side of it. it. It doesn't sound like that's the drawback that it might that I might have thought it was a few weeks ago. Uh, no, I think he's developed. I mean, he actually quite enjoys the the, the media work. He said to me that um, you know he's, um, he's enjoyed that that uh, that microscope that was in the Premier League. Being a Premier League manager, he enjoyed that. Um, but uh, you know he, he did have a few confrontations with me. I said I think they were quite uh, uh, designed. In terms of the fans, he, he was good with the fans in, by and large. He didn't like negative criticism all the time, as, as no manager does. But uh, now he was um, now he, he, he developed it and he learned as well. He learned about the media and. You know, there's no better ground than working in the Premier League where it is international media all the time and it's so intense and the number of interviews that you have to do before and after games. You know, he handled all that. Uh, sometimes he had a few issues, but overall I thought he did uh, reasonably well with the media. Um, Rob, I really appreciate your time. That's, that's been really, uh, really useful insight. So, so thank you for joining us on Wood McCormick this week. No problem, mate. So apologies if, uh, if if that wasn't the the clearest audio that we've ever we've ever done there with Rob. I was speaking to him on a phone, so so that's not always ideal. But I think we've got the message there, and I think there's some kind of positives about Appleton, but print very much about uh, about Pearson, who's becoming a name that's getting more and more linked with the role. Who, which actually, as it stands at the moment, doesn't necessarily exist. Um, but thank you for joining us this week. I'm sure the uh, the ongoing situation with uh, with managers at Albion will continue to be a talking points and we will continue to try not to talk too much about uh, about matters on the pitch as they continue to lose game after game but uh, but thank you for joining us uh, and we will see you next week at Woodburn Corner.